0: today are you so excited it's part two with our friend lee carroll and he's going to continue this conversation about mushrooms i'm sure you've probably been waiting with bated breath all week to hear the rest of this. So today, in today's episode, part two, you'll hear at the end how I'm going to like trap him and ask him for a third part. But anyway, for a second part, he is going to talk about his give us his five favorite mushrooms. He's going to talk about how we can use them more about how we can use them clinically, a little bit more specifics this time about how they work, etc. So blah, 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 without further ado, here is part two of my conversation with none other than Lee Carroll. Welcome back. Lee and I are back for part two of our great conversation on mushrooms, using them clinically in practice from a medicinal standpoint. We are not talking about psychedelics. We are talking about medicinal mushrooms. So Lee, welcome back. Glad you're here. Thanks,
1: Rhonda. Great to be back.
0: So if you didn't catch last week's podcast episode, Lee and I talked about, well, Lee did most of the talking, which I'm happy about, but he shared about kind of the history of mushrooms, where they came from, like ancestrally, the paleo diet, pulling it all the way through to today. And then we talked about the importance of having that clinical knowledge to be able to use with your patients, whether you're using them as supplements, the mushrooms as supplements, or eating them in a cooked form, which we, Lee is recommending that we eat them in cooked form. We talked about types of mushrooms, and how easy they are to get at the grocery store. So if you missed that one, go back and listen to that podcast. But today what we are going to talk about is Lee's going to give us his five top mushroom picks for those of you that are thinking, Oh, where do I start? I don't even know what to do. So he, we're going to talk about that. And then he's going to talk about some counterfeits and things to be aware of in the market. So Lee I'm going to let you start where you want to start with this conversation. So take it away.
1: Thank you. So five top mushrooms. When I got into mushrooms and in my 20 years of industry experience as a manufacturer and educator and practitioner within herbal medicine, mushrooms had this, were pigeonholed as this immune modulator thing that maybe weren't as good as herbs, but you use them in cancer And that that was kind of the extent of my understanding. But now I know that the beta-glucans in mushrooms are a language that communicates with our immune system and it keeps it in tip-top shape. So when we consume mushrooms regularly, our immune system is more capable, it's more vigilant, it's more accurate, it's able to mount the exact appropriate defense and not be underperforming or overperforming. And all of that, coalesces together into clearly less chance of having flus and coughs and colds and that sort of stuff, but you get less cancer. So your body's more capable of getting rid of the neoplastic cells as they form. But every tissue in our body's got resident macrophages. So this language that we get when we consume the beta-glucans of mushrooms means that all of our macrophage communities are all healthy. So that means we've got healthy tissue. So at a very deep level, the regular consumption of a mushroom is going to do that so the first mushroom on my list or the first group of mushrooms on my list because it doesn't just have to be one in this category is having a mushroom as a regular part of your diet which looks after your immune system when you've got to narrow it down i think shiitake's right up there but you, many companies have combinations which kind of fit this category yeah so you can co- combine shiitake and reishi and maitake, you put a bit of chaga in. So however that kind of plays out, that immune thing needs to be top of the pile. And clearly I'll, my Mediherb heritage, and this is kind of a bit heretical for me to say this, particularly in public. <laughs> That's
0: okay. There are lots of changes happening right now. So we're all friendly around here. You go. So I don't
1: use as much echinacea as I used to in clinic. Ah. And Mush, mushrooms have taken over the immune support that I get used to get from echinacea. Oh, wow. And I now use echinacea much more judiciously. And I use it where there's threatening infections. I use it in some active diseases. And then I use it as a defense against getting ill. So acute doses when people are in the early stages of an illness, but it still plays a really important role in my clinic. But It doesn't play that every patient, every time kind of role that it used to, because it's expensive.
0: Yeah. And can I ask you a question then? We, for those of us that love and use MediHerb, we would always use echinacea as that immune modulator, right? We were taught that it modulates, so it will slow down an overactive immune response and it will upregulate an underperforming immune response. That being said, then, if you are using echinacea more acutely, would you say- that in the case of let's say an autoimmune condition where we have a hyperactive response of the immune system for whatever reason, whatever's triggering it. But with that hyperactive response, would you say that mushrooms take that role and can perform that same type function? Or are we now, do we need to think about it differently?
1: Yeah. I think in my learning and my own kind of practice I'm not at the point yet where I can be really conclusive about answering that. Mm. So I still use echinacea in all my autoimmune cases, Okay. Um, but I am including mushrooms as well right. where it's relevant. So mushrooms are- so It maybe hard immune to tell. St-
0: it may be hard yeah. to tell.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have a big clinic, so it takes a bit longer to get the volume to get the feedback. So- Right. I still I'm using mushrooms in autoimmune diseases. And there's a bit of a fear that mushrooms are immunostimulating, but they're not in the same way that echinacea is not immunostimulating. So right. I think that's a special category. And I probably still use both. Okay. Having said that, you know, I, I am not using echinacea in every autoimmune case. Yeah, so
0: interesting. I got uh, this is because I deal with so many <laughs> autoimmune cases. So that's why it was of a special interest to me. So I'm going to be thinking about this. And obviously, trying to extract some of that information as I work through your course. Yeah. So Okay. So your number one is some mushrooms for immune shiitake being the king or right up there close to the top. And so if there was an immune combination product, what would you do if someone did not want to eat mushrooms? Because there are mushroom haters out there. They don't like the squeak. They don't like the feel. They don't like the thing.
1: Yeah. Don't like the taste either. Uh -uh. Yeah so we'll get to quality at the end but it's a very challenging marketplace to get an effective and an authentic product so i'm not affiliated with any companies now so i i'm kind of free to talk about whoever i you know has got a good product so real mushrooms is an excellent brand and they have retail products but they offer practitioners a discount which nice. makes it very, which makes it very attractive, and those yeah. products are as authentic and as good as you can get. They're, they're as, they represent exactly how nature intended you to consume your mushroom. Mm. So, they have a product called Five Defenders, but they also have a shiitake product. So, either of those. And in the year after I stopped working with MediHerb, I developed a range of products for a company called Third Planet which is distributed by Aduco. So they have a product called MycoRev Immune, which is shiitake and uh, reishi and maitake, which serves that kind of purpose of immune kind of support and immune strengthening and immune education and immune insurance.
0: So two options then as far as supplementing with those for the immune system. Otherwise, shiitake dietarily-
1: just eating 200 grand well, 20. So four ounces of shiitake a week kind of is the maintenance kind of dose. So you could just, you don't have to do them every day. You just have to do that twice a week. Yeah, have a proper meal of shiitakes and it's done.
0: That's amazing. I mean, it really, really is amazing.
1: Yeah. You live longer, you have less cognitive decline, you have better cognitive health, you have less Alzheimer's, you have less cancer of all types. You have less metabolic disease the less depressed the list is really long just from eating mushrooms as part of your diet
0: wow so for on the cognitive decline i imagine that one of your top five is going to have something to do with cognitive decline yes yeah so
1: lion's mane is that one is really popular at the moment and if we were going to go with evidence the, there's not a huge amount of evidence for lion's mane. There's a lot of hype, and there's a lot of there's a lot of interest in it. So I'm I'm combining lion's mane with my herbs that I know work. So I'm combining lion's mane with with ginkgo and bacopa and
0: yeah, right.
1: Th- those sorts of things go to cola, and I'm focusing on microcirculation. But lion's mane is an amazing mushroom. It's a it's one of the choice edible mushrooms. It's really beautiful to eat. And in higher doses, it has profound gastrointestinal benefits. It's a fantastic prebiotic and it helps resolve ulcerations and, and inflammation in the gut.
0: Really? And so I much think- like it would be like a slippery elm type effect? Yeah, it's
1: like a slippery elm. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a mushroom form of slippery elm. Yeah. And I think quite a bit of the cognitive stuff comes from that gut brain axis oh interesting lion's mane is a bit like a medicinal mushroom in that it contains lots of secondary metabolites so it's a real secondary metabolite factory and it's really quite complex so there's these molecules called heriserins and the most commonly known group of those are called harissa and then there's erinacines and these molecules cross the blood-brain barrier and they have the capacity to interact with with receptors in the brain and they can increase nerve growth factor and brain-derived neurotrophic factor and perform the role of like housekeeping, if you like, within the brain. But the beta-glucans and all of the curious immune-acting molecules, they're helping to calm down overactive glial cells, so the microglial cells that get inflamed and perpetuate these types of conditions. Right they can be calmed down from the immunological aspect of that. i go into some detail in that in my course. But the, when you consume beta-glucans, they get trafficked by dendritic cells into bone marrow and, and and lymph nodes and spleen and thymus. And the ones in the bone marrow, there's channels that, that are available in the choroid plexus. So these molecules actually can get into the brain where they have a wow. calming effect. So lion's mane we need more research and but it is looking like it's gonna it is the real deal the, the early clinical trials patients that took five grams of lion's mane a day for th- four months they had steady improvements in their many many mental state exam scores and then when they stopped taking the lion's mane their cognitive function started to slowly decline again so lion's mane is like a nutrient that when you consume it, it helps keeps your brain functioning optimally.
0: Well, that's, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Like for, if you had a patient that was starting to maybe exhibit some early signs of just cognitive decline due to just aging, right? Yeah. What, so what I'm hearing you say is that using something, taking lion's mane, as a supplement because it's, I've never seen it in the grocery store. you probably find it somewhere, but I've never seen it like at the regular grocery store. So if we supplemented with that, then that, does it reverse any of that age-related decline or is it just maintaining it and improving it as long as you're taking it, as you mentioned?
1: Well, I think it'll have a preventative role Yeah, because mushrooms have a preventative role period. So that's from their beta glucan. So these molecules in lion's mane will have a preventative role. But then once the disease processes start to kick in, this is where you need to include the other, the, know, the other, part, the other bits of yeah. the program. So yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be inappropriate just to use lion's mane on its own, Right. but in concert with those other things and you get it early enough, I think it will help. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, there's nothing wrong with it being a nutrient, like, you can't eat all the food that you want to eat just in one month and starve yourself for the rest of the year, right? Like, yeah, right. right. So there are certain habits that we need to engage in. And when we engage with them long term, we reap the benefits. So mushrooms are in that category where they should be habits like exercise. You can't do all the exercise for the year just in one week and then take the rest of the year off. You've got to do some every consistency
0: every, yeah. every week. So yeah.
1: the Mushrooms fit into that category, like green tea and, you know, like all the polyphenols from all the vegetables that we consume. They're, They're regular parts of our routine, the olive oil. So, lion's mane fits into that category beautifully.
0: So, number one is on the mushroom side is going to be something for immune. Number two is brain with lion's mane. What's number three?
1: Yeah, well, there's a bunch of places we can go. So, the prebiotic. Potential of mushrooms is huge, and every mushroom has it. So, it doesn't have to be its own category. So, each one of the mushrooms I'm talking about, put in your head, it's a prebiotic and it works as well as Slippery Elm and any of those other ones. So, I think the maybe third would be vitality and energy. So, with something like Cordyceps, so Cordyceps militaris in the US has got the reputation for that. So, Cordyceps is a really curious fungus. It's a, it's different to any of the other ones. It's a different different class of fungus. And it's been popularized by The Last of Us, that show on HBO. Yeah, where it, yeah. Because it parasitizes insects and arthropods and that sort of thing. It can't infect humans. I think the, uh, the cordyceps species are getting together and having a class action <laughs> lawsuit drawn up against <laughs> HBO for defamation. <laughs> So cordyceps improves the HPA axis. It improves mitochondrial energy production. It improves lung health. So it improves the way that we convert oxygen into energy. So that interface in the lung is enhanced. So there's a very strong lung involvement with cordyceps. And there's a very strong kidney involvement. So all of the metabolic waste that's water-soluble coming from the lungs needs to exit for, through the kidney. So that connection is really quite strong. So I use cordyceps in lung diseases and kidney diseases. I use it as the tonic in acute respiratory conditions. So mm-hmm. if someone's got a cough or a cold or they've got COVID, cordyceps is in there to just to generally support the lungs and improve vitality so that when they emerge from the illness. They're not as devitalized. Right. And then I use it along with Rhodiola and Shazandra for supporting the facilitation and adaptation against stressful settings. So, sporting endeavors and busy schedules and like busy lifestyles. Right. Cordyceps are very gentle, gentle kind of adaptogenic tonic kind of vibe in that type of setting. So, I get good results with. combining it with rhodiola so typically rhodiola gets combined with korean ginseng or schizandra they're they're kind of like the two main ones but
0: right right would you say five grams of the cordyceps
1: yeah around three a day is probably enough to get good results with many of these mushrooms having more is a little bit better so there's some quite wide dosage ranges yeah
0: do you have a general? If you were talking about like real mushrooms, for instance, you're equating them, quality-wise, with the quality that we've all come to know and appreciate from the Medi side. So if you're kind of making Definitely. that parallel equation uh, as far yeah. as quality goes, we know that on the Medi Herb side, we have a general dosing range that we can follow. You've got yeah. the. Maintenance all the way up to a little bit higher dose therapeutic, and then you have the really high dose, right? That we could use. Yeah, you have that kind of range in general that you would use for real mushrooms.
1: Yeah, that's all elaborated in my course and and in the monograph. So I use maintenance, therapeutic, and then extreme acute. So not every patient that's using these extreme doses is unwell. People like me are kind of pushing the envelope. Of wellness. So that's in the extreme category. So, yeah, the cordyceps, uh, say two grams up to 10 or 20, even 30 grams a day is quite fine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Just depends on the situation, then, and also cost, because then then obviously the more that you're taking, then the more the cost is going to be. But compared to an herbal product that we might use, the mushrooms are going to come in being much more economical, I'm sure.
1: Mostly. Yeah. And I've met the people from Real Mushrooms and the parent company Namex, which makes the extracts, has got the same philosophy as Mediherb. They've got the same kind of origins and the products are made in a way that gives them that superior edge. Yeah. It's it's quite a unique organization.
0: And I love that because, well, for all of us and those that are listening, we're going to be, we're the commitment we have is to make sure that what we give, we know we're going to get a good therapeutic outcome that you can yeah. count on the therapeutic outcome every single time. It doesn't vary yeah. batch to batch to batch. It's not one month. It's going to be working. And another month is not going to be working that every single time that we can count on the therapeutic end result. So, okay. Yeah, cordyceps and- number three, what's number four,
1: number four, just to give you a broad spectrum of, possibilities I'd put tremella in as number four
0: I love Tremella.
1: Tremella is an amazing mushroom. I cook with it a lot but again real mushrooms has got great products and third planet I, I created a, a tremella olive oil polyphenol product for them recently that's just launched in, in February for skin health So tremella' is noted for its its skin benefits So all skin diseases it's kind of like Botox in a bottle. We used to say that about go to Cola, but it helps improve skin quality. So even if you have no skin disease or skin blemishes, it improves the the moisture holding capacity of collagen. It helps to slow down the breakdown of elastin, which just naturally happens as we age. So skin has less wrinkles and it's firmer and it has a nicer tone. It has a greater glowing complexion. So it used to be used for beauty uh, traditionally but all of the skin diseases benefit from tremella.
0: Even and, psoriasis, eczema, urticaria, yeah, all of it.
1: All of it, yeah. So long-term use of tremella, along with the relevant herbal program in each of those diseases you meant, mentioned, starts to affect a long-term cure that can create a situation where that patient is free of that disease. Oh my god! And That's like awesome. the lion's mane, It's got a strong gut brain axis. It's got a strong gut skin axis. It's got a strong gut liver axis. So it does all of those other things as well. And there's in China, they're very advanced in their use of mushrooms. And they've, like we do with herbs, like with ginkgo, you use a 50 to one extract. So in China, they make a 50 to one tremella extract. And that extract is used in cancer treatment where people have low white blood, white blood cell counts. Mm. they use it in in situations where people have hepatitis or chronic liver diseases and it's used in dementia so there's a clinical trial that was published in 2018 and over over a period of eight weeks tremella and they did very sophisticated mri scanning of the brain as well as cognitive testing And they observed significant increases in the size of the gray matter of the brain in multiple brain regions. Wow. And the one area that they studied cognitively was executive function that matched up with the part of the brain that controls executive function. So there was a a statistically significant relationship between those two things. So tramella is an amazing brain herb as well. And it's a super prebiotic. It's like slippery elm on steroids. So nice. For me, that's become like a, a daily thing. People should have a little bit of slippery a, a little bit of tremella, tremella like good. I used to recommend slippery elm on a daily basis. Yeah,
0: yeah. If it's slippery elm yeah. on steroids, why would we not want to do that?
1: Yeah, well, uh, complexity is the key with all those fibers, but the there aren't any mushroom prebiotics out there. The uh, hydrolyzed guar gum, is kind of the, the yeah. most popular but it's yeah. the complexity of, of the fibers and tremella has got fibers that have got very potent hydrocolloid properties so they absorb a lot of water so when you mix it in water it goes very gooey mm-hmm. and that is very demulsant internally it's very emollient topically and it's Part of me, it's part of its, part of its secret. Yeah, it's a, it's really amazing, and it well, looks you, a bit like a brain. Yeah, when you
0: and you think about like aloe, it's got that like slimy ish. I always say the,
1: it's the same chemical same. class. So mm-hmm. aloe is glucomannans, and um, the trimal polysaccharides are manin based as well. So aloe right. and manin are kind of like close cousins. Yeah, they could yeah. even be brothers and sisters. Yeah.
0: So what about number five?
1: Number five, I would take a pick and go with ergotheanine, which is a, a nutrient in, that all mushrooms have, some in higher levels than others. And it's one of one of the fungal world's kind of secret weapon. And ergotheanine, I like to say it's the most important nutrient you've never heard about. And ergotheanine is a modified amino acid and Fungi are the only things that make it in significant quantities, and humans have have a need for it. We have transporter proteins that are pretty much exclusive just for that molecule. So we wouldn't have transporter proteins in our small intestine to bring that molecule in if our body didn't want it.
0: Exactly. Or if it wasn't available in nature in the food that we ate.
1: Yeah. So there's a clear need for it. And then all of the cells in our body have got the ability to bring this molecule in. And then in our kidney, we've got the same transporter, so we don't ever excrete any. So if we only lose 4% of what we consume, like if you take vitamin B, you lose all of it within minutes, mm-hmm. you know, you can mm-hmm. see it visibly, you know. the. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this molecule is tenaciously retained in the body and its role in the body is as a a, a, a highly specific antioxidant molecule and it engages where tissues are stressed and glutathione levels are depleted so depending on the tissue in the body glutathione levels can go up and down quite dramatically right so ergotheanine is the backup part of the antioxidant team that mm. steps in to maintain the environment while the glutathione's regenerating that's the, kind of like the easiest way to describe it and then wow. there's some tissues in the body that are constantly under extreme stress and the glutathione doesn't work so like in the lens of the eye where there's lots of uv there's lots of oxygen mm-hmm. ergotheanine the main antioxidant in the lens and the retina of the eye for example when large population studies are done the Amer- the american population is about four times less than they need for ergothionine compared to other countries. So when you look at large population data, Italy has 4.4 milligrams per per day of intake, and America has 1.1 milligrams.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, if they're so rich in the eye, if the ergothionine receptors are so rich in the eyes, then what if we need that, where else are we getting it? Is it in plants? You know,
1: it, it needs to come from mushrooms, but some uh. plants get a little bit from the fungi in the soil yeah but there's a 10 or 10 to 100 times less ergotheanine in plants than there is in mushrooms so we need to get it from mushrooms that's where we need to get it and if you lack ergotheanine you'll have more cardiovascular disease and you'll have more neurodegenerative disease so you'll have more cognitive decline you'll have more alzheimer's you'll have more parkinson's disease and there's a you won't sleep as well they'll Your pregnancies won't be as healthy if you're a woman. There's an enormous amount of data pointing to the key importance of ergotheanine. It's been known about for a very long time, but we currently lack human clinical trials. It hasn't really had the spotlight on it. So I'm introducing it at a point in in its life cycle, which is like where Mediherb introduced resveratrol, for example. So resveratrol was basically an unknown molecule. NRF2 was basically an unknown pathway. And then we started talking about it. Kerry introduced the ideas. And then a few years later, it sort of has taken off. Well, ergotheanine is that important. And I'm on a mission to get everybody to know about it. So that's my fifth mushroom is we need to be consuming mushrooms regularly to get that level of ergo thing, you know? Right. Yeah.
0: So now, okay. I I have to say this is not planned, but I, my brain is full right now. Like <laughs> <laughs> a very full. And if you're listening, you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, rewind, rewind, ah. rewind. So you can always listen to the podcast again. But Lee, I have a question yeah. for you now. You just like dropped a thousand nuggets of great information in there. What I really want to do, I want to make sure we have adequate time to talk about imposters and talk about quality. Would you mind if we hit the pause button and we made this a part three?
1: No, fine. That's good. Okay. So listen,
0: I'm literally putting Lee on the spot right now. We have not (laughs) talked about this, but I want to make sure that you all have time to really digest this information because then Lee just agreed whether i put him on the spot or not but now he said yes so he's committed so oh, I'm, let's do it yeah, okay. it's
1: exciting i'm, I'm energized by okay this. Yeah.
0: so what we're gonna do is again we're gonna i'm gonna hit the pause button let you all wrap up this part two and we're gonna do an impromptu now part three which will come next week and we're gonna talk about there's just so much good information here, carrie i mean carrie talking about Mediherb. <laughs> Lee, I can't thank you enough. I'm so grateful for you. And this next week, we're going to talk about get to the good stuff, which is where do we find the good products. We've talked about that with real mushrooms, but I think just as relevant is talking about what to look for and imposters in the marketplace. So more talk on mushrooms with Lee Carroll coming up in our impromptu part three. So hang on. We'll be back next week. Thanks, Lee.
1: See you. Bye-bye.
0: Okay, so are you inspired and excited and ready to have more real mushroom and real mushroom effect in your clinic with your patients? I know I sure am. I'm really excited about the Tremella mushroom. That one makes me so happy because I also work a lot with lichen sclerosis patients and the uh, tremella is a game changer and as you know lee mentioned great for anything skin like psoriasis and eczema that one i'm super excited about and then also the um, five defenders like just everybody needs immune support so i'm excited about getting more of these and starting to use more of these in my in my practice so i have already have my account set up i've already placed an order and i am ready to go so again if you want to connect with lee you can find him on instagram erba underscore meditari so That's H-E-R-B-A underscore M-E-D-I-T-A-R-I. And then on Facebook, he's just Lee Carroll Herbalist. Um, Be sure you find and follow him on whatever platform you're on or both. And then you can get his mushroom course. And I've already started to dig into it, and it's amazing. The information is so good. And you can go to his website, herbameditari.com.au, And the links are all in the show notes. So, yep, he agreed, which I kind of gave you the tip off anyway. But next week will be part three of my interview with Lee Carroll, and this is where it gets good. In fact, I will tell you, the episode next week, because I already recorded it with him, uh, the episode that I'll share with you next week has some big, like, oh, my gosh, moments where you think no stinking way So yeah, on the counterfeit stuff out in the market, it's shocking. So you are not gonna wanna miss next week's episode. All right, friends, thanks for being part of my world, listening to the podcast, I love that you're here. If you love the podcast, if you love the information, please take a minute and rate, review, and of course, subscribe. So wherever you listen, just hit that subscribe button and that way you'll know when new episodes come out and you'll be the first one to get access to all this great information. So once I'm done with Lee next week, we're going to go back to our regular schedule programming and bring you some more business and clinical growth type topics. So I hope you're enjoying the little bit of a mix up that I've been doing lately between some clinical, some business. So just hit me up, shoot me a message. You can always reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram, Dr. Rhonda Nelson. I'd love to hear from you. All right, friends, take care. Have an awesome week. And I'll be back with you for part three of my interview with Lee Carroll next week, same time, same channel. All right, take care. Bye for now.